0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them.
1: Welcome everyone to Project Management Office Hours, the number one live project management radio show in the United States, broadcasting to you live from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, Joe Puzz, PMO Joe. And for the next hour, we'll be talking project management with our special guests. I want to thank our sponsors today, the PMO Squad. Are you tired of failed projects? Deploy the squad to rescue your PMO or projects. Start recovering lost time, money, and peace of mind. Visit www.thepmosquad.com to learn more about all of their project management services. Now, for those who are regular listeners of the show, and I know there are many, I wanted to give you an update on marathon training. We are within marathon month. Uh, Race day is October 28th in Washington, D.C., and I appreciate all the support that everyone has provided. Along with that, everyone knows that I'm fundraising for a charity called Team Red, White, and Blue, which is dedicated to help support veterans across the United States with more than 200 chapters, including there's one here locally in Phoenix, I have been battling back and forth for number one or number two in the total fundraisers uh, amount nationally and some guy just jumped in out of nowhere. So I'm down to number three, but if we hit my target, I will finish at number one. So I appreciate any support that anybody can give. You can go out to pmojoe.com. There is a link to the team red, white and blue charity and also a link to my fundraising page. So anything is appreciated and, of course, as we, November 1st, I think, will be our first show post-marathon. I'll give everybody an update on how I survived, and hopefully I'll be able to make it to that November 1st show. Reminder to everyone, uh, yes, we are a live show, and we can prove it, because if you tweet us a question, we will respond to it. So use a hashtag PMOJoe on your questions on Twitter for our guests or myself, and we will get to those live. Speaking of guests, we are very excited to have with us today Warwick Pond from Arizona State University and Hussein Banakawala from Parwaz Consulting. Welcome, Warwick and Hussein. Thank you, Joe.
0: Thanks, Joe. It's great to be here.
1: So let's get started by having you guys introduce yourselves to our listeners and having them learn a little bit more about you. And Hussein, we can start with you. Please introduce yourself and share anything about yourself or what you have upcoming with the
0: guests. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much again for having me here, Joe. Really appreciate being on the show. Uh, I'm Hussain Pandakwala from Purvas Consulting. I help uh, PMO leaders, both aspiring and first time PMO leaders, um, succeed in either getting the role or setting up a PMO successfully. I do this through coaching, uh, workshops, webinars, and I recently uh, launched a, a course on setting up a PMO on LinkedIn Learning. Uh, which is, as you know, the premier learning e-education uh, platform provided by LinkedIn. So pretty excited about that happening. It just happened last week. In the next couple of weeks, I've got uh, a PMO virtual summit that's happening up uh, from October 16th to the 18th. It's absolutely free for anyone to join. It's a virtual summit, so anybody from anywhere in the world can join. Uh, and um, it's designed specifically to fuel The success of uh, aspiring and first-time PMO leaders, if you want to understand how to get that top PMO role, if you want to understand how you want to settle in it quickly, and if you want to learn how to set up a PMO successfully, then you will have tons and tons of information out there. We've got folks uh, from around the world, um, PMO experts, authors, and thought leaders coming in and diving into their favorite strategies and tips. So excited about that.
1: Well, thank you, Hussein. I know uh, I'm looking forward to that virtual summit. I've been fortunate enough to be invited to be one of the presenters and guests in that. Uh, So for everybody who wants to hear from PMO Joe, my topic is on using the PMO approach to help set up or improve your PMO. And to learn more about that, of course, check out the virtual virtual PMOvirtualSummit.com. And we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit later in the show as well. Warwick, welcome as well. Thank you for being on. And please share with our listeners
2: a little bit about you and and your role and what you have going on. Absolutely. So uh, I work at Arizona State University as Executive Director within the Strategic Implementation Office. And we orchestrate uh, the delivery of new technologies, um, updates to existing technologies, and um, new innovations uh, across the ecosystem of our campuses. Um, And we also uh, support project managers throughout the enterprise and provide training, you know, process development as well. And and we do offer training in partnership with our continuing professional education group. Uh, that includes a project management essentials course and a scrum master certification course as well. Uh, so happy to be here. Thank you.
1: That's awesome. And of course, uh, for those who don't know, uh, out here on the West Coast, ASU is certainly more... Um, Recognized than folks on the East Coast, but we have listeners across the U.S. and globe. ASU, I think, is the largest public uh, university in the U.S. Is that correct?
2: Almost, almost, almost. Yeah, uh, we we are definitely fourth year in a row number one in innovation uh, in terms of higher education, beating out MIT and Stanford. Uh, so that's uh, four years in a row. We're pretty proud of that. Um, but uh, yeah, we 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 have about nineteen thousand staff and faculty. Seventy-two thousand on-ground students, with an additional approximately thirty thousand students uh, online. So it's it's burgeoning. It's big, uh, and it, it is uh, one of the largest universities in in the world. That's again. Thank you so much for
1: being on the show, both of you. And uh, let's dig in. Let's talk project management and PMOs. I'm excited for today's episode. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. First, we'll we'll go to Warwick and continue on a topic that i think you just touched on with the ASU project management network can you share a little bit more of about that and how that's become such a vital role and opportunity within the ASU
2: ecosystem absolutely so if 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 a pmo is simply delivering within itself and internal to itself uh, it it won't be really successful and we found that there are many uh, across our organization that are managing or expected to manage projects Uh, that may have some IT-related or may not. And they don't exactly have uh, the project manager title. right? So they're project managers by accident, if you will. And they don't have any resource. They don't have a a voice to go talk to a peer about maybe some of the concerns they have or um, challenges that they're um, having. And so we started up uh, an official ASU club that is uh, titled the ASU Project Management Network. We really focus on providing resources to project managers or those who self-select that they're interested in project management. We provide a a PIMBOK PMP course that preps individuals to get ready for the PMP uh, examination. We host uh, networking events. Uh, We host lunch and learns. Uh, And we also provide templates. Uh, and really reach out to, to that group and uh, try to give back as well to the university uh, with, with probably some of the most capable individuals uh, across the, the university that actually work on getting things done. And so it's been uh, very positive uh, and successful. We started with two individuals. And we now have about 460-plus oh, wow. um, members. So, That's great. Yeah. Yeah, we've
1: talked on the show uh, in the past about accidental project managers mm-hmm. and how oftentimes that can uh, lead to fall in their career as opposed to a rise in their career because they don't have those resources available to help them grow. So it's great to hear how ASU is actually supporting those yeah, individuals. Absolutely. And Hussein, that kind of ties in a little bit about... Uh, what you do with PMO coaching and helping PMOs leaders uh, get into those roles? How? What are some of the skills that you see and roles that lead to PMO leadership? Can you expand on that?
0: Absolutely. So you know, let's talk a bit about the roles first, uh, and then we can get a bit into the skills. Show. So in terms of the roles, I do I, I really categorize them into two big buckets. One is the conventional bucket for me and the other is a non-conventional bucket. The conventional bucket is something where, let's say you have a developer or a business analyst who becomes a project manager, who then becomes a program manager and a portfolio manager and then ultimately becomes a PMO leader or someone you know, who is an architect who wants to get into project management, gets a portfolio management gig and then becomes a PMO leader. And you know there are multiple permutations combinations within this space and within this area. And the reason why I call this conventional is because that's usually this, the part that most of us talk about, the part that most of us read about, um, and some of us have experienced that. And I think that's also largely because in you know historically the PMO has been tied to IT or technology as such, and therefore you would expect that you know someone who's managing an IT project or someone who's managing managing an IT portfolio might have ultimately become a PMO leader. But then there's the other bucket, the non-conventional bucket that, that I have come across as I continue to talk to people and especially through the webinars that I host. I mean, this is sort of an eye opener is, you know, someone who really wants to take up a PM, you know, really wants to bring a PMO, even though they don't have a lot of project management experience, but wants to get something done. Just having that initiative and motivation, you know, I've seen PMO leaders, uh, uh, you know, people becoming PMO leaders from that perspective or someone who has a lot of strategy consulting or, or a lot of operations experience and wants to go ahead and do that. And then, you know, oftentimes some of these people just have a very good background of the processes and systems within the the, the company. They're just thrust into that role. They're like, you know what, their leadership is we need to set up a PMO we think you're a guy who can lead this and off they go. So really, those are the two main buckets that I've seen. And, you know, whenever I do a poll, you know, in my webinars and whenever I I go and have conversations with people at conferences, the ratio of conventional to non-conventional is sort of, you know, always between 60, 30, 45, 55, if you will. And that to me tells me that the non-conventional way is really not that non-conventional. It is pretty much out there. We just don't hear a lot about it. And so, for any, anybody who's listening to us right now, I do want to encourage you. If you want to consider PMO leadership as a potential opportunity for your career, no matter which position you are in right now, you can find a path to get there. And which gets me to my to the next question that you asked me, Joe, about the skills. You know, I I really consider two sort of buckets around this, you know, the, 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 the skills as well as having the right mindset. That's key as well from a skills perspective. And I don't want to go too deep into it right now, but you know, overall, I believe that you do definitely need to have some project management skills. You may, need to have the right people skills, which includes communication, facilitation, negotiation. How do you even deal with politics? That's an asset organizational skills. So stuff around strategy, things like. Uh, how to go ahead and prioritize the, your, your your projects, or um, you know even such things like cost center accounting, or being very familiar with with performance, improving performances of of the of the of, of your team. Those are some of the skills that are highly valuable to PMO leaders once they get that role. And then from a mindset perspective, you know besides making sure that your em- emotional intelligence is in tune, making sure that you have that can do attitude. And a bit of sense of urgency to this as you get into the role and start setting up PMO. I think these are some skill sets and mindsets that could be extremely valuable to PMO leaders. I'd,
2: I'd have to agree with that, Hussein. You have a, a baseline skill sets that that you expect from your project management um, leadership. Uh, and And they are managers for a reason that that does include you know creating the plans baselining those plans uh you know monitoring those whether, whether they're um variant from schedule from budget um actually creating a budget those are all things that uh you know we we do expect from our project managers and we we have to build those up at different levels uh, from our individuals but it, it is that mindset and one of our strongest skills in, uh, of our team is their uh demonstrated positive and proactive attitude towards change. And that's that's much more difficult to train. That's much more difficult to, you know, get people to change their mindset uh, just in that alone. And you we started tracking towards specific skill sets, you know, emotional intelligence, ownership, you know, having a a true commitment that this is my project, as if it's your own business. You know, stakeholder partnership, the strength of your network across the the institution. Uh, these are some of the things that that we started measuring, customer centricity. And in, in two thousand fourteen, I think only twenty percent were were meeting these. Uh we we call them entrepreneurial uh PM skills. Uh now our, our team is about forty six percent meeting uh, that entrepreneurial in that bucket of entrepreneurial PM. Mm. You know, the the others are more apprentice or um process driven, which uh is not a bad thing. It it's exactly exactly what Hussein was uh, talking about, those those skills that are absolutely critical and needed for uh, project management. Those are some of your, you know, the princes and the uh, process-driven project managers are some of your best project managers and assets to the organization because they understand what needs to get done. But having more effectiveness in delivering business outcomes is really uh, driving towards those entrepreneurial skill sets tied with the technical skill sets of project management.
1: Yeah, I often find that the good project managers are uh, capable to build schedules and run status meetings and keep projects on track. The great project managers then hit on the mindset and skills that you and Hussein just discussed that take them above with communication, mm. understanding the political and cultural differences within the organization and being able to drive business value, right? Every project by definition is a unique endeavor. That means there's change involved on every project. Great project managers have the ability to understand that change and can be a change agent as well as a project manager. And it's, uh, it's a difficult role. Then that's why we do this show to help yeah. everybody out there understand the challenges.
2: It, it is a challenge. And I think, uh, PMI, you know, puts out that it, it, the success of a project is, is a 50-50 shot, right? So you might as well flip the coin. And yet, uh, we, we have had, you know, uh, standards out there for years and Methodologies out there for years and yet it's still a 50-50 shot. That's that's PMI. I think CB insights say the, the same thing It's a 50-50 shot only 16% of projects are really successful. I think is what, what they've indicated And the question is is why it may be that we, we are tracking things that aren't important to the business because it's the outcome that is uh, most important and so, having that that mindset and that ability to track towards outcome, having learning agility in your your team and in yourself, uh, and that uh, appetite and excitement to learn something new, that is something we look for definitely in our project managers. In, in yeah,
0: yeah, that's a great, go ahead. Yep, that that that's a great point, work about the outcome, right? Because I do see the the success of project management and projects tied to the success of. PMOs, which then ties the success of the organization, but that outcome is the important thing that I think a lot of us fail to really measure and report on on a regular basis, right? I think when we talk about success of projects, a lot of people just talk about on time, on budget, on quality. Okay, delivered, then you know, off you go, hands off it. But then, you know, we, we it's 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 funny to me that when we are looking to approve a project. We go through so much of effort and diligence in creating a business case for the project and how it's gonna benefit them. The company is gonna save it so many dollars or you know it's gonna improve the efficiency of some processes or create brand new innovation, et cetera. You know, the project goes through and once it's done, nobody's measuring and monitoring that outcome. You know, and I think with project managers who are always in tune to that, I think they become very, very successful, not only in just delivering a successful project, but then also making making it far from a career perspective.
1: And just a reminder to everybody that we are monitoring Twitter. So if you have a question for Warwick, Hussein, myself, please tweet that in using hashtag PMOJoe, and we'll get to those questions live on air. Just continuing on with that, right? Projects fail, and, and I, I speak frequently about the statistics that PMI provides in their pulse of the profession that shows essentially a flat trend line over the past decade of about 50% success rate on projects. Uh, And at the same time, PMOs only have an average lifespan of between two and five years, depending on which research that you go with, which is so contrary to other organizational functions, right? We don't change out accounting departments and HR departments and sales departments on a two to five year cycle, but we do that with project management. Hussein, why, why do you think, uh, through your work, are you finding that PMOs fail so often?
0: So I do think that a lot of this uh, is around the fact that the perception, expectations, and the mindset of a traditional PMO, that gets applied off and on and on. So let's say, for instance, if an executive saw a PMO that was Working extremely well in one of his peers organizations. He'd probably say, you know what? I, I want, I want one of that and try to bring it in their organization. And they say, you know what? Uh, Mr. or Mrs. or Miss PMO, uh, leader, I need a PMO exactly like this. Let's make it happen. And they think that it's going to work. No PMOs are the same. You know, instead of making sure that their PMO looks like exactly like what, uh, the other organization's PMO is like, They should instead focus on what process they use to get to that PMO and emulate that process, right? So I think the the lack of understanding in terms of what a PMO can and should do, and why should a PMO really exist within their organization, and what does a real what does a successful PMO really look like for your organization is going to be extremely different, you know, from from other organizations. And I think that's the process, and that's the the mindset that people have to invest in. I think that's one major reason, Joe. The other reason I think is that, you know, a lot of people that I speak with, I think you mentioned accidental project managers. I find a lot of people who become a PMO leader accidentally as well, trying to understand holistically why the PMO is needed, you know, work with the different stakeholders, identifying a roadmap, trying to make sure that they're looking like the expert that they're, they've been. Uh, trusted to do, at the same time learning the tricks of the trade, You know, there's a very good chance that they're going to slip up. And if they slip up, their PMO is going to slip up. And therefore, I think the focus that we need to be doing is making sure that those PMO leaders, especially people who really want to become a PMO leader or people who really are in that position right now where they're setting up that PMO for the first time, they really need to focus on Their evolution, their nurturing, and their professional development so that they can make sure what is out there in the industry, they can understand what are the the norms, what's okay, what's not okay. But the most important thing, have that confidence that they can go ahead and stand up to their leadership, to the other stakeholders, to their team, and meet them in the right and say, you know what, guys, this is the approach that we need to do. This is what's going to be the best for our organization. Are you with me or not?
2: I think that's critical. Anyone that is thrust in a position or, uh, you know, earns the position to, to lead a PMO, uh, they, they need to first have a conversation of what, what is it that we're attempting to achieve? You know, we benchmark ourselves across other organizations, um, within our industry and without as well, because we're interested in what others are doing. Uh, but we have to make it work for ourselves. I, I don't think there's a real appreciation that there are different types of PMOs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's governing PMOs, there's compliance PMOs, and there, there's delivery PMOs, and and you need to have that conversation with your executive team of what is it we're trying to achieve. For our, our story, you know, we we started doing all those things, uh, you know, governance, compliance, and and delivery. We're now focused on delivery. A lot of the other business areas have taken on the roles of implementing governance and um, ensuring there's compliance on uh, specific processes, and. If you have set up a framework of a PMO that can't nimbly change to the needs of the organization, uh, then you, that PMO is going to come and go, right? The, uh, the average lifespan is five years. And so are you delivering value that is expected of you? And that value may be different from what you expect a PMO to deliver than what your business actually needs. You know, one, one example of this is, you know, Hussein was mentioning about uh, all the time spent in, on new project requests and, and uh, justifications, you know, the, a true business case. We we looked at uh, other organizations and we found that, you know, they were spending on average 55 hours uh, for a business case. And, and it was on average costing about $6,000 or something like that. And we looked at our processes and found that we were 37% below that. <laughs> We thought shame on us, this is ridiculous and and that may well have been true, but finding that it that actually was a strength of ours, why would we uh conform to what others are mm-hmm. doing when this is working for us uh and is is being cost effective and allows us to be nimble to the changes uh rather than defining everything up front in a business case
1: yeah we've uh going back to the p m o virtual summit that Hussein is going to be presenting. In my presentation, the PMO approach, we I call out Bill Dow's seven reasons why PMOs fail and then how our PMO approach addresses each of those seven reasons for failure. Mm-hmm. Almost all of those seven reasons are what you and Hussein just talked about, right? The cookie cutter approach, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. It's the PMO police governance over delivery. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the P is defining your purpose. If you haven't established with your leadership team the purpose, the why of your PMO, then of course you're going to fail because you yourself don't even know why you're in business. So it's great to hear from industry leaders out there that you're going through the same things and that our listeners can take away from that. Know that if you don't know why you're in business as a PMO, you're probably going to be a statistic that two to five years later, you're going to be looking for a new job. And this is why we do this show, to bring on folks who are out there every day working in organizations, working as consultants to help grow our industry and make it become stronger, learn from our experiences, and and help you advance your career as a PMO leader. Uh, I know, certainly, I learned through uh, the School of Hard Knocks along the way, and I wish that I would have had an opportunity to sit and listen to a podcast where people were telling me what they've experienced, rather than me mm-hmm. trial and erroring my way through failure. Yeah. Right? We've had several different industries on and represented on the show. Most recently, the healthcare industry uh, with Laura Bella from Bella Consulting, and there was some uniqueness to the healthcare project management world. Warwick, you're at a fantastic university ASU, and higher ed, I'm assuming, comes with some of its own challenges as well. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, it sure does. I mean, I cut my teeth on healthcare, uh, laboratory science and, and uh, university hospital. Uh, but universities really do pose a, a bigger challenge. I think um, the, the biggest challenge is the diversity of projects that come in. You know, I, I'm in an IT PMO. However, you'd be surprised at what we support, you know, in, in terms of uh, marketing, recruitment, enrollment, academics, learning platforms, ERPs, CRMs. But you also have the physical campus itself. And it it is almost managing uh, your own city per campus, and so there's there's definitely challenges there uh, because you you don't just have students, faculty, and staff; you also have um, people living where you're at, and so you have uh, student housing, and so these bring up uh, very peculiar technology issues. Um, so you know we we can provide a secure network. Um but now you have a student that can't patch in their Xbox onto that network. That's a problem, right? That that's affecting Mm -hmm. that student's experience. Um and so ensuring that we can successfully build ubiquitous services uh that meet that demand for the multivaried uh you know experiences and customers, uh that that's a real challenge within um within higher ed. I, I also think that you know you you can have a student who's also a staff member, who's also a, a fan, who's also an alumni. So the multivariate identities that that exist within a university. Uh, so when you're building out uh, new systems or applications, you have to think of all of those different types of end users and use cases that are going to use uh, the technology. And uh, that can be a challenge as well, uh, because you may be thinking of just one type of demographic. We don't have the luxury of um, segmenting our demographics, in some areas we do, but for the most part, we don't. And so you have to really design and think about how you're going to design this for the the best use of all the different um, entities.
1: Well, and I would imagine challenge keeping up with 100,000 or so students that revolve in and out every one to four years. Yes,
2: coming and going, Uh, and, and that identity uh never goes away of course right uh they they're always affiliated somehow with the university uh and and then i think the uh, another big challenge is we we talk about digital transformation within it we're certainly living that and if if you're a business that doesn't think that you uh, are a technology business then you're going to have some real hard you know challenges in the in the future in higher ed in education i think this is go- we're going through in our industry our own uh transformation and Call it what you will disruption or, or whatever it is, but in in terms of where we're headed as as an industry and you know a s u we like to measure ourselves on not who we exclude but whom we include. That's how we like to measure ourselves and and just the the measures by which we measure success in higher ed, we're looking at saying maybe we don't agree with these, and so we're trying to provide greater access to students. you can look across the nation, there's other universities that are actually reducing their enrollments, increasing tuition, increasing their standards. And that that's kind of a flux of of who's going to win out and, and what's the best model. I don't think that there's a one fits all and I, I'd certainly say ASU doesn't think there's a one fits all model. Uh, but this is a model that's working for us. It demands uh some disruption and and we're happy to be at the forefront of that. Um, but that is also a challenge where you have business units that are recognizing we want to do this and their appetite has grown for uh, how they want to use uh, technology. And so um, it's exciting, but it, it, you know, represents a challenge as well.
1: Absolutely. I can imagine. Uh, And Hussein, just tying in a little bit, we've talked uh, and you introduced it at the beginning of the show, the PMO virtual summit. But if you can talk a little bit more about that in detail as to why you're doing this summit, uh, who some of the speakers are, how folks can get access to that i think you know we had taught we had Laura Bernard on a prior episode, and she just had in september the p m o impact summit, which was similar to yours uh, so our our guests are familiar with the concept, but I think it'd be great to hear about the importance and impact that you're about to make with your summit
0: absolutely thanks so much for that Joe so you know the like like I mentioned at the beginning of uh our conversation, you know, the summit is designed to feel the success of aspiring and first time PMO leaders. That's usually the type of folks that I, I work with. And so, you know, through my conversations with them, you know, I, I, I get a sense that there is a, a, a void out there, you know, sort of a where, where they can go to one place and get all the information um, that they need. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, that is... Not possible, but uh, you know, through the summit, I'm trying to at least provide a, a stopgap measure. And so, what i do like to call it is, a, is this is a, a one stop PMO learn fest where we're talking about which PMO, you know, how to get the top PMO role, how do you settle in it quickly, how do you set up a PMO. So, if somebody who really uh, wants to choose the PMO as a profession, why should they do that? What's in it for them? Is that even worth pursuing? Why is that a rewarding career? They can come to the summit to find out about that. What are the attributes of an outstanding PMO leader? They can come to the summit and find out about that. How should you get that first role? What are the things that you need to do? How do you need to prep up your resume? What's the mindset that you need to have? You can find out at the summit what are some of the other things as you get to that as you get into that role what are some of the things that you need to focus on besides project management certainly we talked about change management so there'll be a lot of stuff around change management we talked about strategic thinking uh, there's obviously going to be some stuff about that we talked about leadership there'll be some things around that as well and then the whole concept around when you want to create the foundations of a solid pmo so what are some of the approaches that we should take? So, Joe, you mentioned that we're going to be discussing your PMO approach. We'll have Laura Bernard, who was a speaker on your show last week. She's going to be talking about how to dra- create an impactful PMO. We'll have Mark Price Berry, who's the pioneer of the business driven PMO approach. Uh, he's going to talk about that as well. Um, so, I'm excited to have over 23, 24 PMO leaders. PM leaders, as well as leaders from tangential disciplines like change management and strategic thinking from around the globe, um, talking to us um, about all of these different topics that I worked with them, made sure that they were curated enough so that it can make uh, a meaningful impact to all of these people who are looking to succeed within the PMO space. I think we already talked about the fact that the success rate of PMOs is rather low right now. And I did point out that the nurturing and evolution of PMO leaders is one of the core reasons for that. And I'm hoping that with this summit, we can go ahead and and turn the flip around. Again, it's a virtual summit and it's an absolutely free summit. People can join this from anywhere in the globe. Summit is going to be on for three days from October 16th through the 18th. All the sessions are going to be available for people to, to tune into for all the three days. And so I invite all of all of our listeners and all of to come in and take a look at the summit. To sign up for the summit, you can go to PMO But I have something more for our listeners as well, Joe. What I do have is an ebook called PMO Success Under the Hood. And what that ebook is, is a compilation of off the cuff responses from all the speakers who are going to be participating in the summit. And I know, Joe, you took part in it as well. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. But these 22 questions all fit within the three themes of the summit. So if you want a trusted companion, a good back of the pocket reference as you're setting up a PMO, as you want to go ahead and settle into it, as you're looking to find that right PMO role for yourself, this ebook is going to be a handy-dandy back-of-the-pocket reference. To do that, all you need to do is go to pmovirtualsummit.com slash ebooks and download that ebook for free. And once you do, you'll automatically be registered to the summit as well. So I hope that gives a good overview on on the summit,
2: Joe. that that's really exciting. I, I think there's not enough venues for PMOs. Uh, and especially ones that are more pragmatic in their approach of talking to um, practitioners in, you know, project management office. You know, I, I've gone to conferences and there's just a lot of philosophy and theory. And um, but this this sounds really exciting uh, to have others, peers actually talk about um, what it's like managing PMO, how to succeed, how to get there, how to build yourself in the career. That That's really exciting. Yeah, we Thank talked. You. We talked about that when Laura was on the show as well. Is if you're a
1: PMO leader, where do you go for education? Where do you go for career advancement? Where do you go for certification? And we're lacking in that industry, and that's why I was so excited to participate in Laura's Impact Summit, Hussein's Virtual Summit, because I want to give back to the the community that I grew up in, right? And mm-hmm. I I too applaud Hussein uh, for what you're doing organizing this. I know it's not an easy task to do to get so many people from across the world involved and organized. Uh, So my applause to you. Great job. And can't wait to see the participation in mid-October when that rolls out.
0: Thanks so much, Joe.
1: And just tying into that, uh, Hussein mentioned Mark Price Perry who will be uh, involved in his summit. He'll also be a guest on our show in December. So a little tease for everybody. Be on the lookout for Mark to join us. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Kind of staying on the education theme, right? I know, work you had mentioned that there are some educational programs at ASU for Scrum Master and Project Management Essentials. Can you share a little bit more about those programs and how folks who are interested might be able to get
2: involved? Uh, Absolutely. So, um, again, through partnership with our continuing professional education group, um, we we have a number of project management resources out there um, to help. Uh, those either getting started in their career or that have um, been managing projects for quite some time. So we we do have uh, instructor-led courses, uh, the first of which is um, Project Management Essentials is what the workshop is called. And our next course in that is November 6th through 7th uh, this year. And then we offer Scrum Master Certification. So Whereas the Project Management Essentials course is really geared towards more of the um, traditional waterfall approach, work breakdown structures, uh, risk management, change management. You know, the Scrum Master Certification is more, of course, agile and uh, being adaptive and flexible, but stable as well. We have those offerings up on, on our uh, website, which is uh, cpe.asu.edu. We also have an online course in project management certification, it's a uh, a twelve module course, uh, three credits each module. You can take them all uh, and get the certification, or you can take it a la carte. And that is kind of drilled down into specific uh, topics uh, that that follow the the you know skill sets within listed the processes listed within the um, PMBOK as well.
1: And that's great to hear, both traditional project management and some of the more agile approaches being offered by the university here on the project management office hour show. We we believe in combination of both as well. And the the bigger your toolkit, the bigger your tool belt, the more successful you can be. Mm-hmm. I have yet to find any organization that's truly traditional or truly agile and blending those together and giving folks an opportunity, I think is, again, I applaud that. I think that's a smart move by the university.
2: Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I, I, You know, I think uh, idealism, you know, and, and dogmatic approaches don't work. I, I agree that most PMOs are, are hybrid in nature. You know, one of the things that's exciting about the instructor-led courses um, is that we get to talk about uh, what others are doing, but we also get to share some of the innovations that we've had at the university. and And the lessons that we've learned as well and talk about how that applies to other organizations and, and some of the take-homes that they have and implementations that they want to uh, do within their organization. It's it's fun to hear. And I think that's a key within any PMO and any organization. We have to start thinking about how are we going to work differently to get things done. Absolutely. And, and Hussein, just kind of sticking with this
1: education here, we've got to A captive audience that's here to listen to two fantastic PMO leaders share their experiences and certainly don't want to give away too much in advance of your summit. But this is what you do, right? You're a PMO coach and you help organizations and individuals get set up. What should PMO leaders take with them to have confidence that they can be successful? We've already talked that PMOs have about a two to five year life cycle. So. How can you build one with confidence today and know you're going to be successful in that role?
0: Well, I think that one of the biggest things that confidence comes with is experience, right? So how do you go about getting that experience if you're doing things for the first time? My take on that is through simulation and experiential learning, right? I think... A lot of aspiring PMO leaders, but if they dis, if they do in, indeed see themselves getting that into that PMO role, or proving it to their leadership, or even that recruiter that they're the fit for the they're, they're the fit for that right organi- that organization, they need to not show them what they've done, but they need to prove to them what they can do. So through that experiential learning, if they go about, you know going through various scenarios going understanding the entire process uh what would happen when some some challenges spur up how would they react in that what was their roadmap like what kind of attitude they can come and bring to the table i think that can show uh, that can go a long way and you know through my coaching i i work with not just people who are focusing on setting up their pmos in real time but also people who ultimately do want to get that role and i think you know having having uh, someone to coach through that and working through various scenarios and simulations can certainly be a a fantastic experience i think also having a focus on on their own professional development whether it's through blogs listening to podcasts and radio shows like yours joe looking reading through books those are always opportunities but you know there's only so much that short, limited conversations can have and i know that uh, you know, there's a lot of debate around, do you, should you get a coach, should you get a mentor, who should it be? Um, you know, it, it really varies depending on your needs and your personality and your learning style. But I think one thing's for sure that you can achieve a lot by standing on the shoulders of giants. I know it's helped me and I know it's helped a lot of the PMO leaders I've spoken with that, you know, having some mentor in, in, or some sort of a coach uh, in some capacity having that sounding board, having someone to go into real time and, and you know, talk about their concerns and frustrations even, right? Something sort of a, a community that uh, that Warwick talked about earlier in the, in the conversation. I think that's something that, that is essential to have on a one-on-one basis. I think that's something that can be used to, to develop your own confidence. And once you build that within you, with, with, when you know that you can do it, you can prove to everyone that you can do it as well. So
1: I'm a sports fanatic and I love all sports and I love coaches because of that. So hey, coach, uh, PMO coach Hussein, I'm going to ask, what's a quick win for me, right? How can I uh, and a new PMO try to establish something quickly that shows that this is going to be successful and we're adding value to an organization?
0: Well, I think uh, I would answer that in two parts. Joe. So uh, the first thing is something that we talked about earlier in the show is no matter what someone says to you, if you're hired by someone and somebody says your your chief sponsor says, I need a PMO because whatever that because is fantastic. But you need to go about exploring the why a PMO is needed holistically, which means you need to not just talk to your project sponsor, you need to talk to other leadership members, you need to talk to other people and other stakeholders who your PM was expected to work with. You need to talk to your team. What's going to be what's working right now? What are the challenges and issues that they're facing? And come up with all of that and then present your sponsor. What you told me, Mr. PMO sponsor, that's fantastic. But guess what? I've talked to some other folks as well. Here's what I've gathered, and here's why we need to create the PMO. And once you have that, once you know the why, then what the PMO will do, how it will do it, and what Outcomes, it will benefit. These will all come through. But as a process for this, I would say that PMO leaders should take their own time in developing the why for this. But as they're going through developing the why, they'll come across some issues and some challenges that could really be fixed very quickly. And so, shouldn't wait for you know all the whys to get through. Go ahead and roll out some of these shorter term issues and challenges, which I like to call quick wins, right? So high impact, low intensity in effort, get that out. And to tell people that you're not just all talk and planning, you can act and deliver as well. And that more than anything else can, you know, build a PMO leader's credibility in front of all the stakeholders and, and team members. Some of my favorite quick wins that I've come across, you know, having some templates, In non-management speak, so in non-project management speak, rather, so that the people out there, your stakeholders who are not familiar with project management terms, they can use it and they can benefit from it. I've also seen lists like project uh, all the lists of projects in a consolidated, prioritized fashion. Oftentimes, that's not available for um, all the leadership to see. Just having that and providing that. Yeah, uh, can be extremely beneficial uh, for people as well. Um, I would say also, if you can go ahead and create a quick and dirty community, a safe haven for the project management, uh, for the project management team, for all the project managers, I think that can be a fantastic quick win to have as well. So
2: I I have to agree with that. I think the the what the quick win is is going to be unique to the business. Uh, you may, you know, I I know I came in. Uh, to start a PMO and there was no inventory of, of projects. That's a, a quick win. What are we actually working on? right? That's a quick win. But it could be uh, resource capacity planning. It could be uh, the nimbleness or lack of nimbleness of our financials. could be project intake. Our, our customers are frust- frustrated or just defining what the life cycle of a project is for our customers so that they know where they're at in any given uh, project. Those Those are things that can be Real quick wins that that change the culture uh, in meaningful ways, um, but it depends on on the organization and what they have. They may have all their processes and and life cycles and phases defined. Uh, they may have a financial maturity, um, but no prioritization right I mean, Those are things that need to be assessed um, and I would say just treat it not just but treat it like a project outline that roadmap and what business capabilities you're going to have when and focus on, you know, the first two. Uh, You don't have to do them sequentially. You you can do them in tandem or parallel and uh, start showing that you're actually getting that roadmap done as well and, and complete it out.
1: Yeah, there's a great video that's kind of circulating on LinkedIn right now of a man drawing an action hero and he's given 10 minutes to draw it. And then they ask them to draw the same action hero in one minute. And then they ask them to draw that same hero in 10 seconds. And to me, my favorite quick win is getting the organization, the department, whatever function you're working with, to understand what project management actually is. And they think that we can do things faster and get the same quality out of it. And for me, I always shoot for an understanding. And once you build that understanding, now you have the opportunity to go expand on everything else that you're working for, because the uphill battle of them not understanding what project management is often leads to that two-year exit for the, the PMO manager, because they didn't really, the organization didn't understand and appreciate what PMO was actually supposed to be doing.
2: Correct. I, I would have to agree with that, Joe. I mean, someone reminded me last week, you know, they asked the question, well, why, why do we put brakes on cars? And inevitably everyone answers, I'll just stop. But the answer is to go fast. We, we put brakes on cars so we can go fast and we can slow down and not die, right? That, that is why we put brakes on. And it's the same with project management. It, we put processes in place so that we can run and we can go faster, not because we want to slow anyone down. And if you, if, you know, if, if you're asked to, to, um, you know, enhance or manage a PMO that's been in existence, that's something that you're going to have to look at and actually, um, Assess and analyze your current processes, and identify what is slowing down the business. I because love it. it could be yeah.
1: you. Yeah, that's a great, and I had never heard the uh, brakes on cars. When well, I love that, I may have to steal it if I have your no, permission. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was
0: about it. to say that. Yeah. I, I've never heard that before. That's awesome.
2: Well, I stole it too. So, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're all
2: sharing. right? Yeah, that's, that's that, what we're here that's for. That's why these venues are are really important. And and you know, speaking to that, uh, Hussein mentioned uh, mentors and coaches. I I think all of us are successful because of other people as well. And I think it is critical to have someone that you can talk to and building that network of other PMO professionals, uh, how have you done it? Be, having a willingness to share and a willingness to even share templates, right? Uh on both sides, uh not just not just uh taking, but giving as well. I think that's imperative because these are uh people that are working it and who have the experience rather than, um, oh, I got this template on the internet and I don't know if it's actually been proven out. And then, you know, I, you talked about confidence. That is a hard thing, right? Um, I, I think you have to provide yourself the um, ability to fail in some areas. Uh, I like to not thinking I mean, we talk about fail fast. I, I like to think of it not as failure. And I know you're the same, Joe. It's, it's a learning opportunity. I actually like to think of it as Market differentiation, uh, because now I know something that my my competitors don't know. I know this doesn't work, and uh, that that gives me some differentiation and uh, some marketability. But I, I like to think of um, a quote that Norman Chortkov said: it, "It you know, it, the truth of the matter is that uh, you know what to do. The hard part is doing it. That's a big step. And when you've been asked and tasked to uh, stand up a PMO, is start." doing things, start working. Uh, Don't wait for your processes or your plan to be perfect because you will be stuck in that um, idealistic mindset and you need to start having some pragmatic wins rather than just waiting for it to be perfect. It'll never be perfect.
1: Yeah, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And both of you had mentioned mentoring and coaching. So when guests do that, I always jump in with the plug, the Veterans Project Management Mentoring Program that the PMO Squad sponsors along with Vets to PM and Veterans to Work. We've been doing that since January. We've had over 100 participants in that. We actually just had a nice article in the Gilbert Sun News locally of one of our veterans who went through mentoring and how that's helped him with his job search. So if you're listening today or on the podcast and you are a project management professional, and you want to come in and help mentor veterans who are seeking to get careers in project management, please go out to the PMO Squad website, click on top for the Veterans Project Management Mentoring Program, and you can register and learn more information about the program out there.
2: I really appreciate that, Joe, and and you know we, we had a chance to talk in depth about the Vets to PM uh, program, which I, w- I was not really aware of um, exactly what it was, and. Um, you know now knowing we're happy to sponsor um a seat in our classes and in our uh PMP prep course um for those vets. Uh I think that's wow. great work. That's um definitely something that um you know it's close to home for me. My my father was an airborne ranger in the army and uh I think it you know he had to change his career uh, midstream as well and uh, went into banking, go figure, right? Uh, yeah. But I think that is critical, and, and to just provide that support out there. Like I said, none of us do it alone, so thank
1: you. Well, obviously, thank you so much to have ASU come in and support our program like that is, uh, uh I'm a little speechless right now. Uh, thank you so much for that, and obviously, we look forward to that partnership. Absolutely. Well, hard to believe. Uh, we are basically at an hour right now, so our time is winding to a close. And I certainly want to give each of you one last opportunity to talk to our listeners to let them know what you have going on, how they can get in touch with you. Uh, So Hussein, we'll start with you. Anything, final thoughts for our listeners or ways that they can get in touch with you?
0: Absolutely, Joe. So again, I want to thank you and the PMO squad for having me. It's been wonderful having a chat with you and, and great to meet you here, Warwick. I often tell pMO leaders and people who look interested in, in in pmos is is that it's a it's a great forum for people to accelerate their career because they have such a great opportunity to collaborate with everyone that they're working with and ultimately they they not only know and and build all the the, the key relationships within an organization uh, but understand that the tools the systems the processes so well that they have an amazing vantage point they're able to take in all things technical, no matter what area that is. I don't, I don't mean just IT, but you know, it could be construction, it could be medical, healthcare, whatever it is. And then funnel that together and through to the leadership. Really get that, get that, get it down to what they want to hear. And similarly, funnel it back down uh, the same pipeline. And that's such an amazing skill set to have. It's almost like uh, an akin to. The COO, right? A COO is everything to around the operations. A project management office leader is everything similar, but all related to projects. And so, you know, when it comes to PMOs, um, I do see that, you know, sometimes depending on the size, scope and the organization, you have an army of one where, you know, you have a PMO leader and he or she is or is the only one who is part of the PMO and then they set it up from ground up or, you know, you could be blessed with a team. Um, no matter which approach you, you take, no matter what situation you're in, you can be successful. And the you know one thing that comes to my mind when I, when I talk to PMO leaders about that is one of my uh, you know, favorite African proverbs, which is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that's the key to successful PMO, PMO leadership.
1: Great. Thank you, Hussein, uh, for being on the show, for having your summit upcoming as well and being a leader in our industry. It's really appreciated. Thanks a lot. And uh Warwick uh what's the best way for our guests to continue the conversation with you if they choose to and and learn more about what you have going on at ASU?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh you're welcome to email me at uh warwick.pond at asu.edu. Um if you're a vendor, I probably won't respond for quite some time. <laughs> but uh um, but yeah, I'm I'm happy to to connect. But you know, for our, ourselves, there's a lot going on at ASU. There's just so much. It's it's such a large ecosystem of of work and innovations and projects. You know, last year we awarded twenty three thousand degrees. Uh, that is up by seventy one percent since two thousand five. Uh, our I think our research expenditures are up by one hundred thirty five percent in terms of research awards. I should say that doesn't happen by chance right these are concerted efforts by individual contributors and that's really where it it you know project management project management office that's where it's exciting you get to work with really intelligent driven individuals and that only works if you think of yourself as a, a catalyst and enabler to the strategy and that your team members your project managers your coordinators your Program managers, they think of themselves the same as if they're managing their own business as well, just like Hussein said, a CEO. We talk about a lot of these things, we talk about our journey, we talk about project management, governance, prioritization, and managing projects in the planning and project management essentials course. And we talk about how to really work with teams uh, since they're self-driven in the Scrum Masters certification course and, and what strategies to use. Uh, so I encourage others to to visit again cpe.asu.edu for our opportunities to connect as well and, and further your education. Thank
1: you so much, work again. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, let's stay in touch. And make sure that we can have ASU be a great partner with our mentoring program, and thank you for that uh, gift
2: as well. Thanks, Joe. It's been a pleasure.
0: I did forget to mention how people can reach out to me. My apologies. Oh sure. But uh, people can feel free to email me at Hassan. H-U-S-S-A-I-N at com. That's P-A-R-W-A-A-Z-C-C.com.
1: Great. Thank you so much. And also just a reminder for everybody that we are live the first and third Thursday each month. Our next show will be Thursday, October 18th with some great uh, industry leaders as well as local leaders. And we are booked solid through the rest of the year with great leaders uh, in the project management space, like Mark Price Perry, Dr. Harold Kersner, uh, Naomi Chatty, and many others. So we're really looking forward to the rest of the year, the final quarter of Season 1 of Project Management Office Hours. A reminder also, we record all these shows, and they're available for uh, playback on pad- podcast, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, whatever's your favorite podcast platform, they're available and last time I checked, we were number one project management podcast on iHeart Radio, so that's kind of cool. Also, want to thank our sponsors, the PMO Squad. They're experts in PMO and project management solutions. We talked about that today. We don't provide cookie cutter tailor uh, cookie cutter solutions. We actually work with you to provide solutions that are tailored to your organization because we're all unique, and your solution should be unique as well. So visit the squad.com to learn more about what we can do to help deploy the squad and solve your problems. Also, one more pitch for Team Red, White, and Blue and the fundraising we're doing for the Marine Corps Marathon. Visit pmojoe.com to make a donation. Uh, 100% of those proceeds go to Team Red, White, and Blue. And I appreciate $5, $10, $1,000, whatever it is that you can offer up is greatly appreciated. So that's it for now office hours are closed until next time i'm pmo joe and you've been listening to project management office hours